Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast where we examine the language, historical context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Dr. Paul Wegner. I'm Tyler Sanders, and across from me is Dr. Wegner, who's going to tell us the Hebrew phrase of the day. Well, yeah, once again, I did it. I, I cheated because I have a phrase. It's, and it will come to pass or come about in the last days. Every time you see that phrase, it's a, it's a hint to let you know we're talk, we, we're not talking about the present anymore. We're talking about the future. And usually when, and when it says the last days, it's, it's the end times and stuff like that. So not often in the book does that happen, but now you've got a, key, a clear key that's going to tell you, now we're going to talk about that future. And, and today we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about that because in chapter 2, uh, one through four, we or two through four, we've got that, and then at the end in chapter four, we've right. got it again. Right. So we have both the ends of it. Yeah, and this phrase comes up in the second verse, right at the yes. very beginning of our section. Yeah, today we're going over verse uh, chapters two through four, which yep. is a nice little chunk of the second subsection. Last week we did chapter one, yeah, which also is the first subsection of six. So we've kind of identified. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, and the second subsection is what two through twelve? Yes, through twelve. Yeah, yeah. two through twelve. And yeah. this is kind of a f- not even really a, a, a smaller. Maybe it is kind of a smaller section within there, but two point two through four is a pretty uh, a pretty set piece that's yeah. going to be good for us to walk through. When it's it's pretty clear that it is is a unit by itself because it's got unit. It's that's about, the word I was yeah, thinking of. Talking yeah. about the. The future in the yeah. beginning, and then talking about the future at the end, and then everything in the middle is talking about the present. What's the so word you use for that? I uh, call it an inclusio, okay, yeah. um, which means it's got something at the front and something at the end to kind of hold it together. So yeah. that's, that's yeah. as what it means. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you ready to get into the text? Oh, yeah. And let me show you one other thing. Remember oh, yeah. we had those introductions? See, that's how we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The subsections, this, right? Yeah. That's how we yeah. know that chapter two goes all the way to chapter 12, because mm-hmm. it then has that new introduction. In 13. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. If you look at chapter two, verse one, the word which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It's funny. Every time Isaiah is mentioned in these introductions, he gives this whole title, mm. you know, Isaiah, the son of Amos. And so it's interesting. We talked the first time that that's not Amos in the Bible. It's right. a different person. Right. Okay. But it, it gives this whole title and then it tells concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Well, mm. okay, we pretty much knew that's what it was going to be. So why are you bringing it up again? That's what you said last time. Yeah, right. It's yeah. very similar actually yeah. to the, the first one. Uh, so, so that's why I think it's it's a clear unit that's that's actually telling us we've got a new introduction here. Now in the first section, the first chapter with that introduction, you also get a little bit more information about timing, I yes. think, or the date, right? You have yeah. like the kings or you know the, right. the reigns and everything like that. This one is a little bit more yep. generic. Yeah. Generic. <laughs> yeah. Generic's a better word, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just it just it's telling us it's an introduction, but it's not yeah. telling us the date anymore. Okay. And and remember, uh, just like all the other prophets, the date was always at the beginning. So it so it follows very similar to those other prophets mm. too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Okay. Well let's get into the text. Okay. Now the introduction is there. We don't really need to go into it very much. But if you'll look at this, this is the structure. I call it an envelope pattern or yeah. a, um, an inclusio. inclusio. Yeah. So uh, two, one through four is talking about Zion or Israel's future, and then four through two through six is talking about Israel's future again. And then when you get to Isaiah two five. There's no doubt it's talking about the present. This is what they're like right now. Mm-hmm. So so it, it gives you that contrast. Here's what Israel could be or one day will be with God's help. Mm. But in the present, they're really not there. Yeah. And they're pretty despicable. Yeah, it's, it's rough. Yeah. It's really yeah. rough. <laughs> well, let's see what it says. In the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as a chief of the mountains. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if you remember, but last time we talked about Zion, Mount Zion being a, on a hill. But, but the mountains around it are even bigger. I mean, mm. a Mount Scopus, which is to the north of Zion, or Mount Zion, is even higher. So it's it's even higher. So this is this is not a li- at least I don't think it's a literal thing. I think it's talking about its importance, mm. about it being lifted up, and and people are going to stream to it. So uh, contrary to nature, that's not would be happening. Yeah. 
God's going to do this. So the nation is going to be so lifted up and exalted that nations are going to want to come. I thought that was an interesting point you made in the commentary, this idea of stream or flow, because yeah. water would flow down yeah, yeah. a mountain, away from a mountain, really. Exactly. And, and not, yeah. I, I think that does play into this idea that it's yeah. metaphorical. It's about, yeah. it's about importance because it's like yeah. everything's moving back up towards the mountain. Yeah. It's going to be a place of influence maybe. Yeah. Um, do you remember uh, what I've, I've said, um, kind of the theme of the whole book is, will Israel ever obey? Mm. Well, the, the answer is yes, because you see, at some point, there's going to be a remnant that actually obeys God. But I've always said it's going to take a lot longer than they ever thought, and it's going to be a lot smaller group of Israelites. It's not going to be them all. It's going to, going to be that believing remnant. So so the answer is yes, though in the present, it looks pretty unlikely. And this would be the result of it. Yeah. This is the result of Israel obeying, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, let's keep going. Mm -hmm. So the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established. I think it's pretty clear the house of the Lord is going to be the temple where mm -hmm. God's dwelling, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, will be established as chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. So the idea of them coming up to Zion, and it, it tells why. Uh, and many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the, of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that, we may, that he may teach us concerning his ways, that we may walk in his paths. So these people are coming up there because they want to know what his law is all about, what what right. his his um, you know what's his his kingdom going to be like. So they're coming because they want to see it. Mm -hmm. So that that's you know something's happened, right? I mean, people don't want to usually come to to Israel to see what's going on there. They, this is going to be a, a new time when God is going to uh, you know expand his kingdom, and, yeah. and they're going to want to know it. Yeah. So, it's going to be public. Yeah. The people will be attracted to this. Yes. Basically. Yeah. That's, I think that's the good word. They're attracted. Yeah. They're wanting to come. Yeah. All right. That we may walk in his paths for the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from uh, Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and he will render decisions for many peoples. They, and notice that's plural, many peoples. Mm. So that means not just Israel. Mm -hmm. um, and they will hammer their swords into plowshares, their, their spears into pruning hooks. I, I don't know if you know what a, a plowshare is, do you? I mean, that's not something we I'm usually... assuming it's something to do with plowing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Probably for cutting up the ground. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it almost certainly it's that... that that part that's like the, the blade or the something? blade yeah, that, yeah. That, so yeah, so they're yeah. using they're making it uh because they're not going to need them anymore so they're going to make them into tools that are useful for them mm. okay and that um uh spears into pruning hooks my understanding is that that those are would be like curved things that when you you know you stack them up on on a um a vine you could pull it and, pull and cut off down. yeah cut off the yeah. the branches that you wouldn't need because oh, as, as right, it gets right, right, as right. it gets trimmed it can yeah. grow more and, yeah. and better so that's what they're doing so they're making these tools in or these weapons into tools that they can use so so obviously they're not going to need them anymore if they're going to do that yeah right so right. so that so that's given us a hint of the time of peace it's talking about so yeah. it's talking about nations wanting to come to hear what this God is saying so that they can follow his laws and follow his his commandments and then um it's going to be a time of peace so that gives you a real clue of what this time is going to be like yeah and then chapter four will give you even more i mean this is an image i've heard a lot it's a really popular yeah, i mean because it's a very exactly. powerful image yeah. of course but i think what i when i was reading in preparation to talk today what kind of struck me was the reason there will be peace is because god is mm -hmm. a fair Yes. Good, yeah. You know, leader, judge, you know, a king, yeah. like that. That they're because they, the implication I think here is that you know he's rendering decisions. He's like, it's he yeah. he's handling. There's it's not like there's no conflict in this kind of setting, but it's like he handles all of it because he's yeah. righteous. Yeah, he handles it well, and he's know? making all the right decisions, and everyone trusts it. Yeah. You know, everyone believes in it because right. it's I, and maybe even I may be stepping too far. I don't know, but it's <sighs> like it's kind of cool to think that people are coming and they're being attracted to this and they're coming here, and yeah. then this is the end point. Is like yeah. all these different peoples come here and there's peace because yeah. God is the true king. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think you're right. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So that's what 
Israel's got to look forward or Zion's got yeah. to look forward to. Um, usually when you see the difference, there's usually a difference between Zion or uh, Mount Zion or in Jerusalem. Uh, but in this uh, passage, they're in parallel ideas. Yeah. But usually Mount Zion is usually the religious capital and Jerusalem's more the political capital. Hmm. But it sounds like to me, they're both being combined here. It's going right. to be the religious capital and the, uh, and the political capital, and they're going to be combined and he's ruling over both of them. And you're seeing the parallel in verse three there? Yes. Right? Yeah. The law so, will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Right. right. Yeah. So it, it sounds like to me, they're going to be combined there in mm. this time of peace when God mm. is ruling. Yeah. That gives us some clue of what this time in the future is like. Why don't we go to the next one? So, oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't uh, oh. highlight these. So Zion will be exalted because mm. nations are going to stream to it. Nations will want to come to it to learn about it. And they're going to want to follow Yahweh and his law. Yahweh will judge between the nations and it'll be a time of unprecedented peace. So that's kind of a summary of what those verses are telling us. Because we're talking about a time when it says in the future, it's it's talking about a time way beyond this. It, I, I even think yeah. the return from Babylon, if anything, it's only a little picture of this, but it's gotta be beyond that even. So, so that's given us some clue. I, I wanted to make sure you guys knew that when we're talking about important dates in Isaiah, several times it goes into that far distant future yeah. to talk about what God's going to be doing there. Okay, I want to make sure you knew that. Yeah. All right, now in chapter four, why don't we read that? So let's go in, in our passage. And it's not chapter four, verse one. I actually think that's the worst chapter division in the Bible. It does seem kind of... <laughs> what was the guy thinking, yeah, right? it is a little weird. Yeah, when, when, when we get to the other part, you, we'll see that. Yeah. But if you look at verse two, in that day, so that's making it real clear. It's connecting mm -hmm. it with that end time in kind of thing. Days, yeah. yeah. Okay. The branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the earth will be for the pride and adornment of the survivors of Israel. Now that phrase, um, you know, a lot of times branch is thought to be the Messiah. Mm. But in this parallel phrase, when it says, and the fruit of the earth will be for the pride and adornment of the survivors of Israel, mm. I think it's actually talking about a great uh, multitude of of productivity. So, it, mm. so it's, it's saying that, you know, when it says the, the uh, fruit of the earth, so it's, it's saying that it's going to be so much that the survivors of Israel, the remnant are going to have plenty of food and stuff like that. So it's not, it's not, the, if you take the branch out, it sometimes is talking about Messiah, but, and in other places it does that. Jeremiah yeah. has them, stuff like that. And that. But I don't think this one is. This one in parallel certainly sounds like it's talking about this abundant productivity. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I've got their um, unprecedented productivity because mm -hmm. I think that's what it's getting at. Okay. Now you keep going. Verse three, and it will come about that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Now notice it says, and he who will remain. So that almost gives you a hint that something has happened that they're not all remaining. Mm -hmm. There's a key there. Um, will be called holy. Everyone will be recorded for life in Jerusalem. Do you remember in Revelation when it talks about the book of life? This is this almost sounds like it's a little bit of the root of where that idea comes from. Because it talks about a uh, everyone who is recorded for life in Jerusalem and they're mm -hmm. all holy. Yeah. So that seems like it's almost like a foundation for whatever that book of life is yeah. later on. Yeah. Verse four, when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and that's interesting, now you know there's been a judgment and a cleansing. Right. 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 And purge the bloodshed of Jerusalem from her midst. Now, it, 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 on this one, it says the daughters of Zion. And then the next one doesn't say anything, the purge the bloodshed of Jerusalem. But when you look at chapter two, when we look at it uh, yeah, earlier. Yeah, middle section. Yeah, it's yeah. it's going to show about the bloodshed that these yeah, guys yeah. have been doing. So, yeah. and, and I don't know if you remember, but in chapter one, remember he says, I'm not listening because your hands are full of blood. Yeah, that's right. So right. my guess is that's more highlighting the ruler, the men rulers in the, or mm. leaders in Jerusalem. Yeah. So I think what it's doing is it's getting both. It's saying the, there's, the women are going to be pledged or purged and the men are going to be purged. Yeah. So you know something's going to happen. 
So when the, the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the bloodshed of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning, <laughs> that makes it pretty clear, yeah. <laughs> okay? <Yeah. laughs> then the Lord will create over a whole area of Mount Zion and over her assembly a cloud by day, even smoke, and the brightness of a flame of fire by night. Um, do you remember, did you catch the image? Do you remember when uh, God was in the wilderness wanderings mm. and he was he saw it was seen as a pillar of smoke yeah. and a pillar of fire by night? Yeah. So obviously what this is doing is it's connecting it with that so that you know right. this is God here. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. it's pretty clear. For over all the glory will be a canopy and there will be a shelter to give shade from heat from the heat by day and a refuge and protection from the storm and the, and the rain. So it's, it's a time of, of being protected. Yeah. Um, and, and it's real clear. Um, remember, Israel is a pretty warm country, especially mm. in certain areas. So mm. that idea of having shade by day would be a really important thing for them. Yeah. And then rain is the other thing that's just crucial for them. But rain can, can also wash away crops and stuff like that. So yeah. you're going to have protection from the rain so yeah. that you're not going to be harmed by it. Yeah. So let's summarize this one. So I've got up here, it's unprecedented productivity for the survivors of Israel. And that survivors of Israel, that's that remnant terminology again. Mm -hmm. Okay. All uh, left will be righteous. That's remnant again. The nation will be restored or purged. God's presence will be there. God is pictured like a, in the wilderness wanderings. I've got Exodus 13 there. And then Zion will be a place of protection and refuge. So if you if you if you see this, here's a picture of what Zion is gonna be like one of these days. And so God's there, it's righteous, it's amazing. You know, peace we learned in the last one, now all kinds of productivity. So this actually is a beautiful picture of what Israel will be like in the future and mm. what what God's kingdom will be like. I think that might be a better way to call it because even though it is called Mount Zion, it's usually meaning God's kingdom is what's this going to be like. Right, yeah. right. It's fascinating when you have those two pieces together, I think, the yeah. beginning of chapter two and most of chapter four there. Yeah. The other thing I was kind of noticing is a lot in chapter two, it, it seems, it may not fully be this way, but it seems like it's kind of a lot of it is an outside perspective. It's from the peoples. It's like what they're going to say, like, oh. come let us, you know, yeah, yeah. be part of this. And like, they're kind of seeing it. And, yeah. and chapter four seems more what it's like inside, inside. you oh, know, and what it is for the, the person. Yeah. Maybe it may even be like a, a group experience versus the personal kind of experience too. But there's, yeah. you know, the sense of the protection, you know, it's yeah. it's from, I mean, I guess it's from your it's it's from their own sin in a way, right? Like yeah. the the purging, getting rid of all this, and yeah. like now there's a shelter in here, and it's like yeah. the people in here are right, and yeah. and this is a good this is a good place. Isaiah is one of the first ones to talk about what God's kingdom is going to be like, mm. and it's it pictures it just beautiful. Later yeah. on in chapter, uh, you know, the second part of Isaiah, we're going to see that even in more detail, where where when like nations are going to come, it, it actually yeah. says that foreigners are going to be incorporated in this kingdom, and it even mentions eunuchs, which seems funny, but mm. they, those two groups were something that under the law. They were they were restricted from being able to do things for God. Well, now they're going to have open access to this, and right. so this is a beautiful picture of what that God's kingdom is going to be like. Yeah, yeah. See, it's very different <laughs> from then, the middle of oh, this, yeah. this passage. <laughs> well, it's should we go different. there? Should we yeah. find out what we got? <laughs> yeah. All right. The, the, I think one of the ways to help us kind of because because it's a lot of verses. But I think one of the ways to help us pull it together is that there's this word key in Hebrew mm -hmm. that means four, and, and it's going to be scattered throughout. So I've got my first one in verse six. So once it starts in verse five, so we're talking now about the middle section, and the middle section is talking about the present. Okay, yeah. so it says, come house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's like a statement. Because they're not doing that. Mm. Um, that's why I've made the division here. These yeah. guys are anything but walking in the way of the Lord. Because it, it says, for you have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob. Well, God had to abandon them because they were so wicked. They were, yeah. remember in chapter one, how he, it says how he had beaten them and all that. Yeah. Well, and there's no place left to beat them because they've been 
punished so much or disciplined so much. Mm. We'll hear it saying, look how bad you guys are. For you've abandoned your people, the house of Jacob, because they are filled with influence of the, from the east, and they are soothsayers like the Philistines. They strike bargains with, bargains with the children of foreigners. Their land has been filled with silver and gold. There's no end to their treasures. And their land has also been filled with horses, and there's no end to their chariots. Now, God's not against wealth and horses and chariots, but they've been relying on these rather than God to protect right. them. So they're trying to build up their their armies when God says, that does no good. I'm yeah. the one that can protect you. Why don't you just come to me? Right. So that's, that's what's going to go on here. Their land has been filled with idols. So no wonder God abandoned them. They, they're despicable. Yeah. Yeah. Like that child that had been beaten in chapter one, they've been disciplined and disciplined and disciplined and they still don't get it. Yeah. All right. They worship the work of their hands and what their fingers have made so that the common man has been humbled and the man of importance has been abased. But do not forgive them. Man, that is an interesting phrase. You, you hardly ever see that in scripture. Yeah. So here's, here's the prophet actually saying to God, don't forgive them because they don't deserve it. They, yeah. they are still just like this. Yeah. All right, so enter the rock and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. The proud look of man will be abased and the loftiness of man will be humbled and the Lord alone will be insulted in that day. That phrase, in that day, is once oh, again going back yeah. to the chapter one or chapter two again or chapter four where it's talking about that future day when yeah. God will be uh, exalted. Yeah. Now, now we're at the second four. Um, if you look at verse 12, mm -hmm. for the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against anyone who's uh, proud and lofty. And then it goes through and talks about just about anything that's high and lifted up. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got against the cedars of Lebanon, mm -hmm. uh, against the lofty and lifted up, against all the oaks of Bashan, mm -hmm. uh, against the mount, lofty mountains, against the hills, hills and all that. So it's, it's just going to go through and highlight all the things that could be high and exalted and mm -hmm. say that one of these days they're all going to be brought down. Yeah. That, that, that should be scary when it says the, door, day, the, the Lord will have a day of reckoning. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's one thing you don't want to have happen, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then verse 12 highlights it again. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. So every once in a while you, you keep hearing that, that here all these people are going to be punished. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. So you keep hearing that. Then in verse 12, uh, 20, the first one was in chapter uh, 2, verse 6. Yep. Okay. Second one was in, in, in verse 12. Mm -hmm. Okay. The third one will be in chapter 3, verse 1. Uh-huh. Okay. And in, in my Bible, they all start with 4. So that helps yeah. me to know that. I don't know if you guys, is, everybody's does that. But, um, but that's a key to let you know this is another reason that they're being punished or... Yeah. Uh, it's, I've actually talked about them as being results. You know, mm. the first one said that the people have been abandoned. Well, that's a result of their wickedness, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the day of reckoning, kind yeah. of the same thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think these are results from their wickedness that God's going to be punishing them. Now, I thought it was interesting. Mm. So remember in verse 17 that the Lord alone is going to be exalted in that day. Look at verse 20. In that day, men will cast away to the moles and the bats their idols, uh, the idols of silver and their idols of gold they have made for themselves to worship in order to go into the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliff. So it's saying that one of these days when God has this day of reckoning, and that should be pretty scary, but in chapter four, we knew that anyway, right? He said he was going to purge their wickedness yeah. and their bloodshed. Spirit of yeah. Burning, right? Yeah. So yeah. so we so we got the idea they're going to get it. So that yeah. day of reckoning must be that idea. Yeah. Okay? And then so in that day he's going to be exalted. In that day they're going to be fleeing and get rid of the, want to get rid of their idols. Um now the, the such an interesting verse is verse 22. Look what it says. Stop regarding men whose whose breath of life is in their nostrils, for why should he be esteemed? What do you think that that's means? That's an interesting image. My first, my first thought on that was that it's life passes quickly okay. when you're human. Yeah. Like if it's in your nostrils, it's yeah. you breathe it out. Let's and go it can one be gone. step further. Now remember, God had already talking about that. There's going to be this day of reckoning, and 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 if they've been worrying about 
Assyria or Egypt, you know, coming through or Babylon, whoever, whoever, one of their enemies coming through and wiping them out. He's saying, well, guess what? Their breath of life is in their nostrils. And if I plug their nose, guess what? They're gone. That's it. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. So I think that's what he's getting at when he mm. says, stop regarding man whose breath of life is in his nostrils. Why should he be esteemed? Yeah. He's nothing. Yeah. God is the one that we better be afraid of. And, and he says, why are you worried about men? Yeah. They're nothing. Yeah. So I think, I, I, I just think that phrase is amazing. That breath of life is in their nostrils. Yeah. Well, man, because who, who knows what the next, where your next breath is coming from. And, he, and it sounds like if God stops it up, there, there won't be another breath. <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting phrase. Now, chapter two also has uh, a polystrophy in it, right? Well, I am. I have. I, I'm trying to to not find them everywhere. So I didn't actually. I didn't actually pull this one out oh, as, okay. as a palistrophe. Yeah, I I kind of noticed when I was reading some yeah. of the imagery there that kind of started to match up. Yeah, from Wait, from ten to nineteen, I think. Yeah, right? and, and it could be. It could be that these are just parallel ideas. Mm. And remember, in a palistrophe, you've got in that middle section that's that kind of highlighted. Yeah. And so I tried not to find one here. And that sounds funny, but I don't want to see them everywhere. I don't yeah, think sure. it's because if if the if the author always does that, then it's no longer a unique image yeah. that that he's trying to to highlight. Yeah. So I try not to find them everywhere. <laughs> yeah, because you know, after I got looking at the for these and I found quite a few, I thought, man, well, I don't want to find them everywhere, or else it takes away the significance of yeah. finding them where they are. Right. All right. Yeah. Look at chapter three. Mm-hmm. Our next, our uh, next key our statement, next key four statement. statement. Yep. Mm-hmm. For behold, the Lord God of hosts is going to remove from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support. And once again, these two Hebrew words sound alike. Oh. So they're that's yeah. like a play on words. Yeah. But you can tell supply is going to be water, food, all resources, that. natural resources exactly. kind of. And then uh, support is going to be all the leaders and mm. and stuff like that. So if God takes away the food and the leaders, the country's going to fall apart. And yeah. That, and that's basically what he's saying is going to happen. Yeah. Okay. The whole supply of water. Oh, I'm sorry. It said the whole supply of bread, the whole supply of water. So there's your key those are pretty key phrases for all the foods going yeah okay the mighty man and the warrior the judge and the prophet the diviner and the elder the captain of 50 the honorable men the counselor the expert artisan now i thought it was interesting so it's it's taken away everything that's possibly going to hold the country together look at even even artisans people that can create things so he's taken those away the skillful enchanter i will make mere lads or princesses and capricious children will rule over them. In the biblical text, it always talks about like a topsy-turvy world is mm. when the person who least capable of leading is actually leading them or the, the, the buyer and the seller are on the same level because they're all fleeing from, a, from a, a fear or something like that or an enemy. Mm. So that sounds like what's going on here. He's going to take away anything that can hold a country together. Yeah. And they're, they're going to fall apart. Yeah. Even and, and it keeps going. The youth will storm against the elder, the inferior against the honorable. A man who will lay hold of his brother in his father's house, saying, "You have a cloak; you shall be our ruler." And these ruins will be over your uh, under your charge. That's like that's like a joke. <laughs> it kind of seems that way. Yeah. Who wants to Who wants yeah. to rule over ruins? Uh, you've got the right jacket. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you're in charge. Here's Here's the good thing. Um, but he will protest on that day, saying, I will not be your leader, for in my house there's neither bread nor cloak. I think it's funny. It, even he figures out, yeah. he's not qualified. He can't do yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was interesting. Usually that doesn't happen. Usually the least qualified people actually want to lead people. Well, and this one says, it's, it doesn't make sense. I, I almost wondered if it's like, I don't, I can't, t- this thing is falling apart. Like, yeah. I don't want to be... Yeah, the, the one that's holding it. On the yeah. ship kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, right. Well, I think that's what's going on, yeah. All right, good. Um, look at verse 8. So here's number 4, okay? For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen. Mm-hmm. So the, the stumbling and falling, and, mm-hmm. and usually that means the nation is, is gone, you know, and probably exile and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, because their speech and their actions are against the Lord to rebel against his glorious presence. The expression on their faces bear was, bears witness against them. 
That's kind of interesting. Their expression of their faces. That in Hebrew, that says the, that it's literally the cut on their faces. And that could be, I mean, it could mean my NASB has said the expression on their face. And so the cut would be the mouth. So you would oh. see the mouth sadness and stuff like that. So yeah. that would demonstrate it. Yeah. But the other possibility is that the cut on their faces could be from appeasing Baal. Because remember, remember with Elijah and Elisha, or no, Elijah, when he's up on the mountain and the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves and stuff right. like that, right. that would demonstrate also that they're they're serving these false gods yeah. that haven't helped them at all. This is why they're yeah. in the state. So I'm mm. never I'm not quite sure which one it's getting at, but either one is a possibility. Yeah. Either way, they can tell that they're not serving God. Well, and the rest of the yeah. verse goes through that. Yeah. Right. They yeah. display their sin like Sodom. They do not even conceal it. Yeah. <laughs> it's outwardly yeah. obvious to everybody. Yeah. Which probably is again like another good callback to beginning of chapter two where the righteousness is going to be visible yeah, and people are going to be attracted to it. Yes. Here's the opposite of that. It's yeah, very exactly. visibly, like everyone can see it. You yeah. Know? That's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've got another four at the end of verse nine, for they have brought evil on themselves. Hmm. These seem to be summaries of what yeah. God's going to do and how it's going to uh, fall apart. Say to the righteous, it will go well with them. For they will eat of the, the fruit of their actions. Woe to the wicked, it will go badly for him. For what he deserves will be done to him. O my people, their oppressors are children and women rule over them. O my people, those who guide you lead you astray and confuse the direction of your paths. So you can see the nation is basically falling apart. This is going to sound terrible, but notice it says children and women are ruling over it. Mm. Back in the ancient Near East, that wasn't the way it was. They wouldn't have, you know, older older people would be honored. Yeah. Um, men usually ruled over the nations. So when it says that your children and your women will be ruling over you, this is like the nation is falling apart. Mm. All of that up, and it it's building to a climax. You yeah. saw... All these things are going to happen. These are the results of their sin. Look look at verse 13. Mm. And, and I actually believe this is the climax. In this passage between here, you've got the men in chapters 2, 5 through about chapter 3, 12, who are going to be punished by God. And then starting after this passage, when you get to uh, verse 16 of chapter 3, mm -hmm. now you've got the women being punished. So you've got both. And, and that's really sad. Both both. People, so that'd be virtually everyone yeah. in society is wandering away from God. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that that gives you one clue on just how bad it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now look at verse thirteen. The Lord arises to contend and stands to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment with the elders of His people. It is you who have devoured my vineyard. That's kind of interesting because that vineyard is talked about in chapter five. And we're going to see later that I think this is the passage that links it to that. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's chapter five is the yeah. the talking about the, the despicable vineyard, the one that, 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 right. that the owner is going to destroy. Yeah. Well, it's it sounds like to me the leaders have already destroyed it. You know, it mm. is you who have devoured the vineyard. Yeah. If you think about it, uh, an, an owner of a vineyard is supposed to take care of it. Yeah. Well, these leaders were supposed to take care of God's people. He's given them over to them, and they're supposed to take care of it. Yeah. See what they—they've devoured it. They—they've—they they've, these poor people. He's ripped them off. He's taken everything they've got. Right. So they're getting rich off these poor people. Right. And that's what he means when he says, "And it is you who have devoured my vineyard." Uh, look at this. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. Mm. What do you mean by crushing the face and grinding the face of the poor, or crushing my people and grinding the face of the, uh, the, the poor, declares the Lord God of hosts. That's kind of interesting. Look at that title. The, that's Yahweh, Lord, right? But then God of hosts, that's a, that's a, that means he's the one that controls the heavenly hosts or the mm. angelic hosts or whoever's out there, he's controlling them. I would... I would be scared to death if, yeah. if I just had that ringing judgment against me. And yeah. then 
it's from the Lord of hosts that's giving that. Right. So so it sounds like, remember in chapter one, we I talked about this being like a, a law court scene yeah. and God's calling the heavens and the earth. Well, here's, here's part of it again. Yeah. And you see him saying, okay, here's the charge against you. You're going to be punished for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, look at verse 16. Now we're going to go into the women who, who are going to be punished. Yeah. Okay? Because the daughters of Zion are proud and walk with heads held high and seductive eyes, they're trying to make themselves appealing to the men so that mm. they can rule over them and can lead the country, I assume. Okay. Okay? They go along with mincing steps, and I, I assume, because it says, and they tinkle the bangles on their feet. So I, I think that means that, that they're walking in such a way that men will look at them and desire them, okay? Therefore, the Lord will inflict the scalp of the daughters of Zion with scabs, and the Lord will make their foreheads bare. Now, do you see what's happening? They're trying to show how appealing they are, and God says, well, guess what? The very thing that you were going to try to do, I'm going to reverse it yeah. and make you look as bad as possible right. so that no one in their right mind would want to come after you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that that gives you some clue about what he's doing. Now the rest of this is going to highlight that. In that day, okay, the Lord will take away the beauty of their anklets, their headbands, their crescent organ ornaments, dangling earrings, bracelets, veils, headdresses. Some of these things in Hebrew, we have no idea even what they are. You really? Know? Yeah, because they're words that we're not used to. And these are yeah. so these are these are anything that make them appealing. Yeah. Okay. And he, and God's going to take them away. So you've got finger rings, nose rings, festal robes, outer tunics, cloaks, money purses, hand mirrors, undergarments, turbans, and veils. So anything that they would be using to make them look appealing, God's going to take it away. Yeah. And I think they're just heaped on here so that virtually, so if, if they're taken that way, he's taking away everything, right? Yeah. So, so just so you know, he's, yeah. he's not just taking away these, it's, it's yeah. an image. It's everything. Yeah. yeah. And it's hype. It's like, it's like piling on all these yeah. images to let you know it's everything. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, then it will come about that instead of sweet perfume, there will be putrefaction. Yeah. All right. Instead of a belt, a rope. Instead of well-set hair, a plucked-out scalp. Instead of fine clothes, a donning of sackcloth. And branding instead of beauty. Can you just get a picture of that? Yeah. that is, that's like everything that would cause them to be desirable is now reversed. Complete opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's about their beauty, all right? Your men will fall by the sword, your mighty ones in battle. Her gates will lament and mourn, and deserted she will sit on the ground. Later on, he's going to talk about the virgin daughter of Babylon and how she thought she was so great, but God's going to take away her, her, her men and her you know, beauty and all that, and she's going to go into exile. Well, that sounds like what's going to happen here. It sounds like everything's going to be taken away from them. And my guess is, you know, when it says deserted, you will sit on the ground, meaning you've got nothing left. Yeah. And I think that's what's going on. Now, I want to tell you about uh, chapter four, verse one, and then we can come back. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. But four, one, I, I think it's the worst chapter division in the Bible because <laughs> everybody can see it's part of the curse yeah. on the women. It's got nothing to do with yeah. verse two and the blessings that are coming. Mm-hmm. For seven women will take hold of one man in that day saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes. Only let us be called uh, by your name. Take away our reproach. They're that desperate. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't even have to really take care of us just exactly yeah yeah and the the last part makes that real clear let us be called by your name and take away our reproach so Mm -hmm. in in ancient israel to not be married was an embarrassment it was something was wrong with you yeah yeah and so here it says well in that day because you're because earlier it said your mighty ones are going to fall in battle so there's going to be no one left and, and when it says seven women will it tell, I don't think it's exactly a number like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's some curses in uh, some of the ancient Near East that talk about sevens being like a complete number, and they're they're in the negative. You know, like seven women will take hold of one man. So it's the idea of a complete number of of yeah. curses, probably, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So that gives you some clue what's going to happen to them. So my question, okay. Specifically, verse 25, chapter 3, verse 25, your men will fall by the sword and your mighty ones in battle. Is that, do you think that's connected into why children and women will be leading yeah, the nation? It's like I do. The men are wiped out. Yeah. So or any, they're just evil. Yeah. 
the ones that are remaining kind of are evil or something like that? Or is it more having to do with like they're wiped out? And so the nation is really children and women. I think that's actually it. Because when it says seven women will take hold of one man. Yeah, there's none left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so that means you got so few. And they're going to be a couple men, but but they're the dregs of society. They're the ones that didn't go out to battle that wouldn't fight for it. So so these are are what's left over after everybody's been wiped out. Yeah. So so that lets you know what kind of curse this is. This is like the worst of the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It's like societal collapse. Yeah. And and why? Well, we made it real clear because you're not relying on the Lord anymore because mm. you've you've wandered away. You've gone after idols. You've done that. Yeah. And instead of looking for God, you're looking for yourself towards yourself. You're build, building getting these horses and chariots and stuff like that and gathering all this money. But it's not going to save you at the end when when I bring this punishment, I think, is God saying. And all those things are kind of connected in that. I mean, this may be an oversimplification, but it's it's all disobedience and distrust of God, really, yeah. right? Yeah. Idols, uh, yeah. building up your own wealth yeah. and armies to protect yourself. And then probably really even like in yeah. chapter 3, verse 14, you've, you know, you've devoured the vineyard. Yeah. Like you do not actually understand who God is, that this is his vineyard. That's yeah. why you've acted. Yes, that's good. So poorly. Yeah. L- let me just mention at this point, Baal worship at that time had a real draw to it. And, you know, we, we look back and say, why did they keep going after it? God punishes them and tells them it's wrong and all this. Well, remember Baal was supposed to be the dying and rising God, which, which mm. so he was supposed to be the, the one that controlled the rain too. So the idea of when, when a drought was there, something was wrong with Baal. He'd, he'd been incapacitated. But when the rain came, now Baal was the one that brought the rain or brought the new crops and brought all that. So Baal worship was often enhanced because they were scared to death. If they didn't have rain, their their land dwindled. They they needed that. Well, because, because Baal was in that country before Israel got there, so Yahweh, Baal was actually the founding God there. And so mm. Yahweh is a usurper. He's the one that's come in after the, the land was already there. So, so I can see why they would want to, and, and remember, Israel didn't always go just after Baal. A lot of times they, they went after both. You know, we'll, right. we'll serve Yahweh in case he can give us something and we'll serve Baal because yeah. maybe Baal can give us something. Right. So it's a lot of times synchristic worship. They're, yeah. they're doing both because they, they, they just are so desperate what's to gonna get, work yeah. yeah and so so that was that was why Baal worship was such a draw is because he'd been there earlier than they than they once they got there he was already in the land that's also why that he was worshiped on the high places and they made those high places look you know they usually planted trees and gardens up there so they they thought Baal was doing his job and that's also where the sexual fertility came in because they thought that if they could could enhance the fertility that maybe Baal would get it and then maybe Baal would then bring rain for them mm. so mm. it's it was all interconnected and that's that's why Baal worship was such a an easy thing for them to fall into so then yeah. you think in verse I mean not verse in the chapters uh chapter 2 uh-huh. like that 12 to maybe 16 where God is above everything yeah. is that a subtle reference to Baal worship in a lot of ways, like all the high places yeah. he's going to kind of bring could, down. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Maybe not explicit. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just uh, yeah. uh, summarize okay. uh, this middle part. Yeah. So you've abandoned your people. So that's talking about God has abandoned Israel, right? Mm-hmm. For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning. That's in verse 12. Oh, the first one is in verse 6. For the Lord will remove both supply and support. That's chapter 3, 1. For Jerusalem has stumbled, 3, 8. And for they brought evil on themselves, 3, 9. So that's kind of like a summary of all the results that are happening to them. Okay. Yeah. So that's so now put this in contrast. So here's what Zion is going to be like in the future. Mm-hmm. Here's what it's like in the present. <laughs> well, yeah. no comparison, right? Yeah. But he's letting them know, because you've turned away from me, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And even even chapter 4, when it talks about what it's going to take to yeah. get them up to that, it's going to take a total cleansing. Yeah. And it's going to hurt. Yeah. You know, fire and judgment. You yeah. Know? 
taken away the filth of the daughters of, of, of Jerusalem. Yeah. So it, it lets you know there's going to be some painful punishment for this to happen. Mm. And how it works out is it's going to be Babylonian captivity, right? They're going, to, right. they're going to end up being taken away from their land. Oh, I need to tell you this. this I think this is brilliant. Um, it, it lets you know how great God is. You, know, you always wonder if, if God punishes a nation, well, I, would me as a Christian be punished with it? But I know that back at that time, when the, when the Babylonian captivity came, they, they actually took the leaders, the, the wealthy people, the uh, skillful people that could um, you know, create things and stuff like that. They actually left in the land, the poorest of the land, because they needed somebody to keep growing the crops and stuff like that. Yeah. So in actual fact, it seems like to me that the ones that deserved it the most got punished the most. They were the ones that were taken away. The, mm. the wicked people that had, had ripped off the poor and stolen their land and all that, the right. poor people had it better off than ever. Yeah. So when God judges, he actually knows who to judge the most. Yeah. And, the, and the other people... They actually didn't, they cut out pretty much scot-free. Yeah. Now, we know that they were wicked, but at least they didn't get the severe punishment that the that the the real wicked people did. Yeah. So when God judges, he knows how to judge the ones that deserve it the most, the most. Yeah. Now, the other part of it is really interesting too. How are you going to get people of Israel that are in Babylon, how are you going to get them to come back? And how and And which ones do you want to have come back? Well, here's what he did. He blessed their socks off when they were in Babylon. So much so that people had land. Some of them were mares. You know, I mean, often they would send them to a place that was a, a ruined tell. You know, mm-hmm. a, a, a tell means ruin, and some of the names have tell in it. Yeah. Um, and so they sent these these people from Israel to those places, and some of them had to lead. So some of those Israelites would become mares. They'd be be part of that, and then. They, they, they'd been there for 50 years. So they had families, they had lands, they had crops, and they had stuff like that. And, the, and, the, and to go back, the, the only thing you didn't have was a temple to serve God. Yeah. Okay? So the only ones that are willing to go back are the ones that are willing to give up all the good mm. things they had in Babylon mm. to actually come back to the land. Yeah. So God actually took the ones that came back and they become the righteous remnant. They're right. the ones that are willing to give up all that other stuff to yeah. go to a, a ruined city, yeah. a Jerusalem and a ruined country and start building the and temple again. Yeah. yeah. So it's wow. uh, it's brilliant in my mind. Yeah. I, if if I was going to do it, I'm sure that's not how I would have thought about it. <laughs> how do you, you bless these people that so much that they don't want to leave. Yeah. They've got all these good things and the only ones that are willing to give those up are the ones that care enough about God yeah. that they need a temple and they yeah. want that temple to serve him. Yeah. My God's brilliant. I, yeah. I can't believe he did no, that. that. That's that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's very fascinating. Yeah. So, anyway, we're now through our section, but you I think you wanted to ask me why the seam yeah, is not here. <laughs> this is a very fascinating reading through this because uh, I was looking at some of the charts you've you've created yeah. stuff, and we have seams that separate our subsections. Yes, and we've already said in this episode that this subsection goes from chapter two to chapter twelve. Yep, and here we are in chapter four at the seam. <laughs> Almost in the middle of the book, a little bit earlier than the yeah. middle of the book, but here we are. So what on earth is that doing? Yeah, and, and if you look at it, chapter four has the wicked are going to be punished. Yep. You, that was clear in chapter four. It said it, that they're going to be purged from the bloodshed and all mm-hmm. that and the yep. filth of the daughters of Zion. So you've got the wicked being punished. You've got Zion being restored. It was mm-hmm. talking about how there are going to be and that there's going to be a remnant the there remnant that, that, are, that are that are saved. Yeah. So, so you've clearly got the same here and you go to chapter 12 and it's not there at all yeah and i'm going what's going on you know we know the introduction goes all the way to 13 great because the 13 13 is the the next introduction yeah Yeah. so what is this and we'll look at it more next time but what you've got is you've got i think a palystrophe Mm -hmm. that that's got from chapter 5 through chapter 12 and it looks like to me that the author didn't want to break that up to put the seam at the end because he because he definitely had already created the structure where you've got in 
in the future what's going to happen and in, then in the present what it was mm-hmm. like. So you, you want to get to that future. And and I think what's happening is, is remember I told you about that linking word, that he's, yeah, you, it is you that have devoured yeah. my vineyard? The only time that a devoured vineyard is even talked about is in chapter 5. Mm. So I actually think he's making the link from verse 13 there. Yeah. To chapter five to help you know because he didn't he already had the structure of the inclusio yeah. he already had this palistrophe where he was going to make it either one yeah. but he didn't want to break that up so he makes that linking word to join to the beginning of chapter five yeah and then you see the palistrophe there yeah. and rather than break it up and put the seam at the end he actually put it in chapter four yeah. and and then made this chapter five through 12 a separate unit yeah so it fits a different kind of structural pattern. yeah Probably yeah flows a little bit better for yep. these kind of yeah, yeah. The and remember, he's dealing with. i don't know when he gave these oracles mm-hmm. and stuff like that but chapter five through 12 is probably earlier than hmm. chapters uh, 2 through 4 because chapter 5 through 12 are talking about his call. You know, when you get to chapter oh, yeah. 6, you yeah. got his call. Yeah. So there, it's almost certainly that's one of the earlier things in the book. So I think what happened is that was a, a unit he wanted to keep together. And mm. so he made that linking jump to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It, it, at first, I'm, I'm thinking, what is going on here? <laughs> it didn't work at all. Yeah. But because I'd seen it so clearly in the other places. Yeah. Yeah. This one seemed weird. And yeah. so I think there's an answer for that. That's good. Well, we, we can get into more detail on that. <laughs> okay. Next episode, what do we need to do homework-wise? Okay. How can we prepare for next episode? Your next chapters, 5 through 12, I think you should read it over because it is such an interesting structure. We're going to pull each of the pieces apart, and it'll take us several weeks to do that. Mm. But it, but it would be so good if you could see the whole structure. Yeah. What I want to do is show how the like chapter five matches chapter twelve, and, mm. I, and I'm going to want to show you that the first one starts with the song of the vineyard. The only other song in that section a, is chapter 12, yeah. where it's a song of thanksgiving. The vineyard starts off how wicked they are, and God's ready to, you know, to destroy them. And, yeah. and, and they almost make that judgment on themselves. You know, yes, what do you think I should do in my vineyard? And they, I'm sure they were saying, well, go ahead and destroy it. And then he says, well, guess what? You're that vineyard. Yeah. Yeah. But then the only other song is a song of thanksgiving. Mm. Well, why would you have a thanksgiving when they're so wicked? Is because as they work through the palistrophe, they are gonna they are gonna get the answer as to what God is going to do to make them like they there deserves to be some Thanksgiving. Yeah. It, remember, um, you keep going over the same themes. Like chapter one, yeah. it talked about that same idea that Israel's wicked, God's gonna punish them, and there's gonna be a remnant left. Well, those same ideas you saw in chapters two through four again, and now you're gonna see it in really big detail in chapters five through twelve. Yeah. So it just keeps going over those themes again, or those themes again and again. Okay, well, that's great. Well, we have our homework. I think we're ready to call it for this one. So thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Dr. Barter, for being here. And be sure to join us next time as we continue to study Isaiah. Isaiah.